0: Howdy and welcome to the Serial at Midnight podcast. My name is Heath Holland and this is a big, big episode because we're talking to Richard Hamilton. The owner of Hamilton Book, we're talking about hamiltonbook.com. Physical media fans know hamiltonbook.com. Of course, it's also a catalog-based service, so maybe you've been getting the physical catalog for decades, potentially. Uh, but the Blu-ray drops, the monthly Blu-ray drops at hamiltonbook.com have become the stuff of legend. Uh, fans have guarded these these Blu-ray drops. Uh, but now, Richard Hamilton has decided to. He's been posting for... Uh, a few years at the Blu-ray.com forums under Golden Wheels, but now he has decided to go public. And Serial at Midnight is—it's uh, an exclusive interview with Richard Hamilton, where he is talking about all aspects of how the business is conducted, the collector market, the health of physical media, where it's going in the next few years. I think that there's really no stone left unturned here. So. Uh, I want to thank the folks at the blu-ray.com forums for uh, supporting Hamilton Book, for making it the destination that it has become for physical media aficionados. I also want to thank Glenn uh, for setting this up. Glenn behind the scenes uh, facilitated this to happen. So thanks to Glenn. Uh, Guys, this is a huge conversation and I think you're going to enjoy it. Richard Hamilton from Hamilton Book. Um, We donate
1: everything we get uh, through here that we don't use to all local libraries and stuff like that. We've got four or five local libraries, you know, come pick through our pulper box and they're happy to take the movies too. But with the Blu-rays I don't use now for my personal stuff, um, you know, I really, I'm big into the Blu-rays on blu-ray.com, but I started on DVD talk. That was where I really got started. Those DVD guys were huge for us and still are. And I still love my DVD guys. Um, and we do an October horror movie challenge over there. So I collect all my vendor samples all year. And then we make three real nice prize packs, like 40, 50 Blu-rays, all horror stuff for the most part. Random, you know, no no qualifications to to get them or anything like that, just a random drawing. And I just give them away at the end of the year. And I figured that was the best thing I could do with them, give them to somebody who's going to give them a good home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to do it, too, because you're putting it back into the fandom, like back into the community and stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, need another long shelf at my house. No, no. <laughs> That's what the, like we all, I know this is, this is one of the things I want to talk to you about because you're on both sides of it. You get the fan aspect because you are a fan yourself. Absolutely. But you also are in the business side of it. And I wonder how those two things gel with each other because they're two different interests you know it it is hard i I, like i said i amassed a very big collection and eventually i'm bringing
1: home stacks and my wife is saying well you haven't watched any of those other movies yet so what are you (laughs) doing with all and like there's certain things i still make an exception for um you know the shaw brothers set comes out from arrow i may not get to box two for quite a while but i'm still gonna grab it um from seeing both sides of it i guess i'm forced to lean into some things that maybe i don't love myself i'm not a hater of slipcovers i'm not a lover of slipcovers i don't really care about slipcovers if my favorite movie has a slipcover great i'm well aware that there are huge slipcover collectors out there and they really care about that um so we've actually done i did a couple blu-rays with full moon where we put our own slipcover on it and it was an exclusive slipcover you know it's just the same cover art but it was limited to 500 Um, And we blew them out pretty quick. So that's something that I personally, I don't don't really care for one way or the other, but that's where the business is going being collectible, right? um, whether it's arrow limited editions or numbered this or that everybody's trying to be I think like comic books kind of from the 90s, you know, there's got to be a gimmick nowadays.
0: And I realize that. It's scary times, too, though, because I, I agree with everything that you just said. But do you remember what happened to the comic industry it in the cracks. 90s? Yeah, buddy. And do you have three or four
1: long boxes of worthless 90s comics at home like I do? I got do a you 26 have an unopened... long...
0: Yeah. No, no even worse yeah.
1: than me. Man, I can remember waiting in line to get Death of Superman. And, you know, you got to buy yeah. two copies because you got to leave one unopened because it's going to be yeah. worth so much money. And I mean, great comic, but it's a coaster, you know? Uh, It's not worth anything. And I do worry about that. Um, But I think it's on a different scale. You know, I think the Shout Factories and the arrows of the world are a lot smarter than Marvel of 1990. Um, They're very smart in marketing to their customer. They listen to what their customer wants. And I think they come up with uh, neat gimmicks. I think Shout's idea of, you know, here's a really cool full movie-sized poster, you know, with your Mm Blu-ray. I think that's interesting to movie people. It's not just some... Hey, we made a die-cut cover or a hologram or something. They right. offer something of value. The um the box sets with lots of extra extras that Arrow leaves just for the limited edition. That limited edition actually has something different than the standard one doesn't. And, you know, the booklet, if you really care about the movie, that's really cool. I think that stuff is, uh it's marketing to be sure. It's a yeah. promo, but it
0: has something to it. And I think that makes it a lot more worthwhile. Yeah. It's true. I like the way they do, de- like- you don't have what what really I can't stand is movies that are limited to like fifteen hundred copies or whatever. Because yeah. when they're gone, they're gone. They're but, gone. And artificial scarcity. <laughs> shout factory does that a lot. And you can't say like I'll say this, you don't have to agree with me, but they they, they own the Roger Corman catalog. Like they yes. purchased Roger Corman's catalog and they're trickling out these site exclusives that are limited to fifteen hundred copies and people can buy five at a time. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like you're just sending them to eBay, like and but now, Yeah, they are to
1: a degree. To but the, they see how smart ahead. they are to to really take that business and put it on their own website. And let's be honest, I love some of those terrible old Roger Corman movies. I yeah. really do. I've seen a lot of yeah. the monster movies and the stuff like that. You know, I don't know anybody want these ten thousand copies of it out in the out in the greater movie scale. It's and true. I think they realize that, and they said, "Well, how can we take something that we probably can't sell that many? Of? Certainly, Walmart doesn't want it, right? It's not going to be a shelf item, but." we can we can make something of it and that's i i hate to say it in some degree that's where this whole thing is going it's the collector market
0: I think. it is where it's going yeah it's it's the best of times and it's the worst of times because if you miss it you missed it and that's what wow. happens is i'll cover some of these six weeks after they come out or something like that and people are like i didn't even know that came out because they're not on you if, know they're and not you really have to be week. into the pulse on this
1: limited stuff um i try and follow it the best i can from my personal stuff and the stuff i'm interested in yeah. and then from the business perspective i try to follow everything because i got to be aware of what's going on and if you're not in the facebook groups if you're not in the, the exclusive sales things you say your vinegar syndrome and there's a subscription thing right. those guys find out long before about exclusives and then i've got to get that second hand um so yeah keeping up with all of it is tough you
0: wouldn't be su- i don't know maybe you maybe you wouldn't be surprised how many of my viewers aren't on social media they don't like to purchase on the internet what is your so hamilton book right what is the the hamilton book is the website
1: arm of our catalog company um it is still the much smaller part of our company the catalog that we have has been around in one form or another since about 1966 67 somewhere around there when my uncle started selling books out of his bedroom uh living with his mom and so you know it, it's kind of a, a separate thing it really is two kingdoms the catalog serves our luddites our people who don't want to do credit card they like writing checks we still get yeah. cash in the mail i mean it's a bizar- lot and, and i mean wow. i'm not talking about one order 150 bucks and it's 150 i mean these are these are you know boomer plus these are people that are yeah. comfortable sending cash in the mail they know they can trust us we're going to fulfill the order god forbid anything happens with it in the meantime but there's a big dichotomy because then with the website, I've got a much different type of customer. Um, we can, it's a, it's a struggle for us to sell Blu-rays in the catalog. Um, much better with books, obviously, and DVDs, because they're still into that format that still works for them. Just fine. They, some of these people still have CRT TVs. And I do too for video games, but not for movies. I'm looking at um, one right now. Yeah, there you go. I've got to have, keep that old tech alive. That's right. um, but so we, you know, it's hard for me to sell Blu-rays in the catalog. And I was throwing and throwing them at the catalog for so long and they just weren't selling. And then we got noticed on blu-ray.com. And it really is all thanks to that one guy, Mufuni fan who started the thread for us. And then I found it years later and he had picked up on one or two items that had i didn't think were even that great and we saw the sales that they sold out overnight and we had no idea what happened i mean we weren't used to an internet rush of sales so we've really got kind of like a, a split kingdom here now um there's lots of normal customers that use our website but we're still 80 percent catalog based wow. and i think if, yeah if you talk to any other whether it would be Daedalus on the book side or oldies.com who is basically just got rid of their catalog yeah. um you know i'm guessing i don't know their numbers but I think we are much, much more reliant on our catalog still than any other catalog company that's left in the United States. Um, And we have no problem with that, except that we've got to get a new generation in. And that's why um, the Blu-rays are such a great thing for us because I love buying them, it's fun. I Mm -hmm. also get to buy the comic books here. You know, I get to do a lot of the fun stuff um, and I love getting a movie list and just getting my ruler and my pencil out and (laughs) go down the list, where do I find the deals? Where can I crush Amazon's price? and get people online going well how is this used
0: you know yeah. how can they even do
1: this that's that's the best part of my day
0: how do you
1: choose what's a good fit and what's maybe not there's no secret sauce there for the blu-ray can i crush amazon's price then we're going to list it am i only going to offer a small discount off of amazon There's almost no point in me having it then, except that I have some very loyal customers who would prefer to buy it from me than from Amazon. But if I'm matching the price or better, there's almost no point in me taking it on. I want to be clear about something, too. We're not on Amazon. We're not on eBay. We have no other third party sellers. There's no web accounts anywhere else. It's our website and our catalog. That's it. And we're sticking to that. Um, but I've got to be able to beat Amazon because let's be honest, they're the 800 pound gorilla in the room. They always will be. Um, And if you could go get something for free shipping and beat my price, and we've got $4 flash shipping, which I think is pretty good, but you're still paying four bucks, right? You got to cost average that out across however many Blu-rays you're getting. I get it. Um, You know, people are thinking bottom line dollar. So it's that simple. Can I beat Amazon? Can I get people a really good deal? Then I'm going to buy it. And with Blu-rays, the subject, it almost doesn't even matter. It could be nature, it could be 4K, anything. Um, we've had actually some great luck uh, and great success with 3D stuff from Mexico, where you can still get some of that 3D stuff and it's got Spanish text, but there were so uh, enough people that adopted 3D technology that even though it's a dead format in the US essentially, I can get this stuff international and they're coming in and they're like, thank you for supporting, we still like 3D. You know, It's great to get this stuff when I, I can't get it anywhere else. So with Blu-rays, if I can be the best price, that's the, that's the most important thing. With the catalog stuff, I'm much more into uh, do these DVDs and to a smaller extent, Blu-rays, do they fit my customer? So that's an older customer. They're looking for classic Hollywood, maybe up through the 80s. So 40s to 80s, blockbusters, big name uh, actors, and you know big productions. Um, But we do well, even with, you know, your Dark Forces and your Code Reds and those kind of DVDs, because they also have some collectible value to the people that still collect DVDs. So I'm trying to I'm trying to play in every little pool I can uh, to make the most sales out of all the media that's available to us. And everything kind of has a different angle to it, depending on
0: what channel and, and who I'm going to. Is everything that's on the site or that's in the catalog, does it go through you? Are you the one that's picking everything? So I pick all the media.
1: Uh, we have three book buyers here currently um, that go through all the books. They do, they'll run me. The comic books apparently are not classy enough for our book buyers. They're buying the fiction and the fun stuff. And they go, Rich likes comics. Give him the 2000 title comics list. And I'll, I'll look at, com- well, because I collected comics and they didn't. So I've got a leg up knowledge wise. So I'll do the comics and stuff like that. Um, but they'll buy all the books. I buy all the media. Um, And unfortunately, that's a much smaller uh, playground than it was before COVID. Um, It used to be that there would be studio lists, whether it was Universal, Sony, Fox, Warner, um, you know, that you'd get a list. Through a vendor or direct, you know, working direct with the studio is tough, yeah. but often through a vendor. Um, you'd get a list maybe once a quarter. You are for sure gonna get a list after holiday returns, you know, all that stuff coming back from Target. And you know, that's really our model, and that's always been our book model. And I'll be quite honest about it. We make most of our money on other people's mistakes. That's what overstocks are. Um, you printed too many. Well, now you got to get rid of them at three bucks. And you know, I can charge a decent price and give somebody a good deal. We do frontless books and frontline. Uh, media product as well um but that's a much smaller margin and a much more um competitive market you know we don't do pre-orders so if you want arrow or something you're going to diabolic and i totally get it you know you're going to get your pre-order in um if you want an international title you're not going to get it from us so in the in the in the real new stuff um i list it because how it sells is a new title gives me some indication of how it's going to do when I can chop the price by 75%. If it was good at full price, it's going to be great at a bargain price. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm doing all the media buying, but it's a lot less buying than it used to be, unfortunately.
0: How has that changed since, I mean, you, you, you just told me a little bit of it, but I, like, what do you think the next few years are going to look like? You know, you see, you're on the forum, right? You see what the people are saying. Like, we're all kind of worried that maybe the sky is falling and this window is going to go is- away.
1: Yeah. Well, I
0: think that there are
1: always going to be enough labels around that are in the movies, that care about movies, and that as long as there's a niche, and this leads to like what we talked about with Shout Factory or Arrow doing limited editions, it's going to become a smaller pool. You know, we all have seen like whether it's Best Buy or Target, those media sections, right? They keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. People aren't putting floor space out for physical media anymore. There's no Tower Records. None of that stuff is coming back. It sucks, but it is the way it is. But I think that there will be a a pulse for a long, long time with people like us, you know, that like movies, love movies, collect movies are wary of your movie getting, uh, let's say taken offline very quickly and you can't see it. You know, there is something to owning things. And I think people uh, see that a lot more nowadays when things disappear offline and you can't find it. So I think there will always be people that want to own and there'll always be people that want to sell movies that they're passionate about and do a cool package and make some money on it but it's going to be a lot less, a lot less. Um, So support your synapses, your Severins, your shouts, your dark forces, your code reds, whoever, uh, what other independent label I'm forgetting, support all of them. Even if you don't like the movies, you know, because those are going to be the guys I think we're all going to be dependent on. Uh, It's not going to be Fox and Sony and Warner because they're not going to care about the movies that we care
0: about. Uh, They already outsource so much of their stuff to the big studios are outsourcing most of their libraries crazy and
1: that's and that's i think that's a really good sign um it sucks that they can't uh they don't see the value in enough of a print run to do it themselves but it would be worse if they were just sitting on the licenses right if there was somebody just saying oh what do we you know to a fox or warner i'm not sure how much money they make from licensing out x library to shout that's beyond my ken i don't know that stuff um but you'd be surprised i've run into stuff where i know studios have large amount of overstocks And they just don't want to sell them. They won't tell you the reason. They're not really interested. This is years ago. Um, But they'd have millions of dollars in inventory. And whether they were worried about crashing their product value or whatever, they'll sit on. And big studios can afford to do that. They do not have to worry about a couple million dollars in a warehouse somewhere that is buck-kissed to them. Um, so I think that's actually encouraging that they do like I said, they license those things out, um, and that you've still got those independent things out there like the Roger Corman library, um, you know arrow had one, one thing I have wanted to get here for a long time because I could sell it to both markets would be the um, Oh God the Russ Meyer movies which Arrow did in Britain, right? But the rights in the United States are locked up in a trust is my understanding.
0: Yeah, I think and they want
1: 40 bucks for a DVD and they, they're they unremassed and it's not a good situation. Right. And there's one where because it's locked up in a trust, you're probably never going to get a good product out of there. And that's depressing because if you think those movies are interesting, you got to right. import it. Now that's another beautiful thing though nowadays is you can import movies you know, God bless region-free Blu-rays and stuff like that. That's another big advantage. And there's a lot of people that are super savvy with their uh, region-free players too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that because, you know, the, the our movie market may have gotten smaller, but the world's gotten bigger. You want to import a movie from Japan or some of that weird stuff from Germany or whatever else you want to deal with, you can do it nowadays. Um, yeah. So we'll keep movies alive. You know,
0: we'll keep physical media alive. I, but it's definitely, it's going this way, unfortunately. What about music? Because I know you also sell music on, on in the service. Is that, go ahead. Music is a lot harder proposition for me. And
1: I can't speak too much, but a, a lot of it comes down to price. I will get some lists, universal music, Sony music, stuff like that, big name stuff. Now for me, I need, older artists i'm looking for 80s 70s 60s that kind of mm-hmm. stuff we do real well even 50s do want showing you how old my customer base is with catalog
0: i like you up um, i'll, I'll they, buy that
1: and listen i go i go back to i listen to a lot of weird stuff so I'm, I'm not a hater at all and i'll listen to anything and i'll list anything um but i've often said to my reps and my vendors that bring me lists, you know what 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 decade are these guys in because they want six bucks for a sing and this is wholesale remainder overstock price and they want six bucks for a for a ACDC cd that sold 10 jillion copies and so i'm gonna have to price it six bucks ten dollars or 11.95 or something like that well nobody's gonna pay 12 bucks for a right. cd um and i i'll say to my reps like what's the disconnect here because you can get a you can get an awesome hollywood movie from 1980 and the wholesale on a dvd might be three dollars if you're buying enough copies why is music so still so expensive? And I've been told, and I don't know how true this is, I don't get involved in licensing, but that music licenses are written different, and that royalties are handled differently with music, and that because the royalties for music are basically ad infinitum, they go on forever, um, that keeps the cost of pressing that CD high. Whereas I guess with movies, that's not the case. Now, that's what I've been told. Yeah. Um, so it makes um CDs a lot harder here um because we are bargain books, we proposition our whole thing around being good deal. Yeah, a lot of our stuff is not a good deal. People think it's average or below, but they'll still buy it. But I want to be able to beat people's prices and get people good deals. If I can't do that with CDs, there's very little reason to even try. Um, and we are kind of like it's corny, but you ever see one of those old used car dealers where the guy, the commercial, and the guy says, we bought too many. There's no room on the law. Like, yeah. and it's a total sales gimmick, right? What a bunch of crap. Of course you got room on the law. You didn't make a mistake. You got to, I got two warehouses. I've got limited space. That's a real thing for us. Um, and somebody pointed out to me, we actually kind of have, I think it's called a Dutch auction kind of model. We'll list something. If it sells, I'll reorder it forever. And we'll keep listing it at that price until the sales go down. If something doesn't sell in the first couple of months. I cut the price doesn't sell the next month I cut the price again and we cut it till it's gone because I've got to get that space freed up for something that's actually going to be worth the volume it's taking up in our warehouse um so we're real aggressive on moving stuff out and people will say well geez why didn't you keep this alive well I'm only moving seven copies a month I don't have the space where I can keep every catalog title alive so we really focus on the best deals profit wise for me and deal wise for the customer
0: yeah, I I know a um I can't say who it is. I know a company that distributes some things, and when the warehouse gets particularly full, when titles get cut, when they get deleted from the catalog, if they can't blow them out, they have to destroy them. The them. Yeah. People are like, no. And sometimes mm-hmm. he'll send me care pack. This person send me care packages. He was like, I, sh- I saved these from the shredder, and I'm like, God, that's get- awesome. That's awesome because that. And I hate to say it that's something that gets my spidey
1: sense tingling because when somebody comes to you and good salesmen are honest you know good salesman is going to come in and say listen rich this stuff is coming up against the license we have to delete it now they're telling me right now insult them because they have to shred it when they're done so there's a limited market to get their value i treat all my vendors fairly um people that low volume nobody wants to come back to that guy nobody wants to do business with them again so when they're telling me up front, like, listen, we are got to sell this or shred it. I try and make the fairest offer I can. Those are often the best lists for us because the vendor is very, very inclined to be aggressive on the price and move. Um, and of course they want to get that stuff out of the, the Technicolor warehouse down in Tennessee or wherever it is, because it's clogging mm-hmm. them up on space and it costs them yeah. money to stock it and fill it and all that good stuff. Um, so I love getting those deletion lists. I don't like the idea that things get shredded but that, that goes back to um, when I came up here, we were sorting Hurt Books, which is you would just buy all the returns from Barnes and Noble or B. Dalton. I mean, I'm going back a little ways now in mm-hmm. early 2000. Any bookstore that had a lot of Hurt's, they return them. You get a Gaylord full of 250 different books, and you've got to sort them out. Um, that's a much different type of uh, buying, and you get a lot of stuff that you can't use for your store. Um, We used to get lots of kids books and I simply don't have a kid's market. And we've tried all those books got shredded. And as a book lover, when I got up here and I see and I'm talking about a trailer load every couple of months of books that are going to the pulper, it kind of hurts you a little bit. You go, Oh, man, that's that's not right. You know, Um, but it's got to be paid to be stored somewhere. Somebody's got to own it if nobody's going to buy it stuff gets shredded and when they told me what happens to books they saw the covers off they throw the paper in the recyclable and they trash the cover and it did it hurt me
0: yeah. but
1: eventually you just you start you just
0: get used to it unfortunately you do and you have to realize that these those are delivery methods right we love physical media but that's a delivery method and you know maybe that's why people go on the digital because there's a you know the content is there but i mean we do love the there's that that connection that you make with the tangible artifact and when you destroy that tangible artifact it's almost a personal we make personal connections with these you things just
1: feel like somebody could use this thing and god yeah why, you know we somebody paid to make this how can we just throw it away and yeah. especially in a you know i'm an 80s kid so i was grown up and taught to recycle that just rubs completely the wrong way to the mindset <laughs> yeah um, and and yeah the same thing because some of these movies in two years people are going to be looking on ebay and the copies are going to be $80 because nobody wanted it two years ago, but now they do. Right. And it's such a catch 22, you know, and then oddly enough, somebody will shred a thousand copies. And five years later, some other label picks up the license and they say, I can make something out of this. I'll give it a shot. Um, and that's the life cycle. Of these things. I'm sure you see titles bounce from one cult label to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they still make their sales. They still make them work. Even though there's been four editions in the past, 10 12 years sometimes yeah Uh, and i do worry a little bit about that because i think what hurts what might hurt the market a little bit is we're drilling down now into the real i don't want to say low level of movies because i don't like to insult what anybody likes to watch um it's true i've seen some some of your videos and you've pointed out how we're getting real deep catalog cuts right right? and that's great because if you want a good hd print of a weird movie you never had any chance of before you do have a chance now and that's all but sooner or later there's a reason these movies weren't coming out on disc um in my opinion and i look at them and i go when will the well really be dry because you can only go back to the mega hits how many times can you do deep red or you know uh, any of those big slasher movies or you know uh, gallows any of the ones that have been done a million and the extras even have been done a million times to death they've got to go get new stuff eventually they're going to run out of new stuff and I don't know that anybody wants a director's cut of swamp thing, you know, or, or any, maybe they do. I take that back. It was I, just I, announced. It's coming. I don't yeah. Say it
0: out loud. What a stupid thing to say. Cause I'm going to cut dumbass. that out. You, you never said that. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but you know, they're, they're definitely going to have to find uh, different things to market and the new content all comes out digitally so quick. And I am encouraged still when I see new content that gets everything, it gets a DVD still, it gets a Blu-ray and it gets digital. But we know that's not going to happen forever. And some things don't get physical formats anymore. Um, and that's just the way it is.
0: You know, I was talking to Bill Lustig from Blue Underground. I interviewed him and he said that he said, you know, he there's a lot of movies that he said a lot of these companies are putting out movies that uh, there are only so many A-list titles. I'm paraphrasing like, there's only so many A-list titles and yep. the the options are going to start to run out. Now, there's always going to be studio product coming out from Universal and, and Warner Brothers because they keep making new movies. But the idea of these boutique labels thriving on deep cuts and cult movies, there's only so many of them. And That's so it right. just seems like it's a matter of time before that well has been tapped. I feel like we're living in a golden age right now, and, I mean, and we have been for Five to seven years, probably. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. I keep thinking that every, you know, I do these big, uh, like my favorites of the year video at the end of every year. And I'm like, this is the biggest year so far. Next year can't compete with this. But then it does, like the next year is somehow even bigger. And I don't know how much longer it's going to last. But I mean, for now, it sure is wonderful. I'll say that. It it is. And
1: I got to tell you, there were things in my library my DVD library that I knew when the time came, I would upgrade them. So I had all, I have every Godzilla on DVD. And then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well now they're starting to come out on Blu-ray and the quality's pretty good. And they're not like weird imports. They're ones I can play easily. So I upgraded my Godzilla. And I always kind of knew it's Godzilla. Yeah, there'll be all the Godzilla. I didn't think that looks like every Shaw Brothers movie is going to end up on Blu-ray and has a big big comfort. You know, so I saw Shaw Shawbox one, Shawbox two. And then I saw that Shout is doing and I also like that, you know, I don't know every movie in this box set. That's exciting for me, you know? Right. And I had a, a lot of Shaw Brothers DVDs too,
0: but it's never a library where I thought, well, I'm going to be able to upgrade these. I never thought that would be a possibility. I think you and I are close to the same age. And when we, like in the 80s, these movies weren't even on VHS here. A lot of them, those martial arts movies. No, you, you, you learn more about some of these things. I'm like, uh, they may have had, even in, in like Hong Kong and places, it's like one they had a theatrical release and yep. then they disappeared for like 40 years or 50 years. And only the most diehard people even knew they, that they existed. And now they're getting, you know, like, hey, here's 11 of them in a box with special pieces. Yeah, and, and, and if you got them in
1: the 80s and you were lucky enough to get them, it probably had a terrible dub. They had changed yeah. the story. You know, it was garbage. And the quality was junk because it was a fourth grade dub of a VHS copy that somebody had bootlegged over and then put a label on or something. Now they're getting... Um, you know, all the love in the world as if they were and they're important to me, but as if they're Ben-Hur or, you know, Citizen Kane or whatever. And I love to see that. Um, And I think there are enough people out there that are interested in uh, you know international cinema and a weird cinema that there are there are niches for these labels to go to and I'm mm-hmm. really glad that personally that Shaw Brothers was one of them because that was a big thing for me I very rarely request samples because like we talked about before I get so many and I, I really try and make that rare and as soon as I saw the box that I went to my guy at MVD and I was like you got to put me down for one of those, please. Like, I got to get it because I don't want to miss it. I would have gladly paid for it, but I didn't want to miss it. And I've got two at home unopened. I'm almost done with one. Um, and when I by the time I'm done with two, I probably have the shout one sitting there waiting for me. Um, so I'll have my backlog building already.
0: I'm hoping that we see this attention turn to Spaghetti Westerns because I'm seeing the Westerns start to rise back up in the mind, the consciousness of the, of the fans. Just, <coughs> spaghetti Westerns are a good gateway because they're kind of pop. But I hope that that translates to a lot. I mean, just the you know, the kind of movies that Quentin Tarantino has DiCaprio making in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's the kind of movies I want to see getting Blu-rays. And we're not really seeing it yet, but it's starting to happen. It's interesting because
1: you talked about Bill Lustig and obviously part of his library. He's got the original Django, some of them anyway. He's got Kiyoma. He's got, he's got a lot of really some of the better ones yeah um and and i wondered if maybe that would kind of start a thing you know i grew up on good the bad and the ugly and the trilogy and you know uh uh, two meals for sister sarah and you know a lot of clint eastwood westerns so i was big on spaghetti westerns and i'm actually surprised um that that's not a bigger thing because that's like a a a blu-ray i could see my dad buying you know if he saw a spaghetti western that he saw once now i don't know if there's a lot of time there's a translation thing you know they're dubs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and that can be an issue um you know but yeah that's a, that's another genre and westerns are strong in america anyway whereas kung fu has always kind of been a, more of a niche thing so that is one definitely i would i would like to see uh people do more with and you know there's a lot of material out there um because there's libraries and libraries and movies every once in a while i get very lucky um and somebody at a label because they're interested in how many copies and would i be interested they'll give me hey, I'm going to acquire this library possibly. What do you think are the top movies in it? And I'll work with them and I'll say, this is really good. Hey, this is just Franco connected. This is this, this is that. We could use so many. Um, and there are still cool libraries in Italy with neat movies in them that are buried, you know, and yeah. need a little love and need a little help um, and need some promotion. Not, you can't just put it out and expect a lot of sales, but
0: if they were handled right, there's something there for them they need the boutique cool push they need somebody to that that had because these a lot of these labels have a lot of credibility with the fans and if yes. someone would be like hey this is awesome and put a commentary on there from you know somebody that really knew, hey i'll do one i'll do a commentary just put that out there to the universe but put someone yeah. you put it you put it together in a package that's presentable to the fans so that they can discover it kind of together like that would be amazing hopefully that's still to come it hasn't really happened yet but hopefully that's I agree. You got to
1: treat it like it's special a little bit yeah. and create that aura around it. Uh, I think Arrow's really good about that with their sets, um, with their limited edition sets. How limited they are, limited edition is all, you know.
0: This thing right here is one of my favorite releases. There you go.
1: Yeah, we had that in one of our recent sales. That's an excellent mm-hmm. title.
0: Yeah, Amazing box set.
1: Yeah, I, I have their their Gallo box sets at home. I'm I lean more of that mm-hmm. angle, the Argento and the you know mm-hmm. Suspiria. Yeah, there you go. All right, there you go. There you go. And of course, that upgraded most of my previous Blue Underground DVD library.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um terrifyingly enough, I get into it every once in a while and there's I throw something in and there's bit rod on it, and my disc doesn't work. Terrific- yeah, I played torso a couple of years ago for the Halloween challenge. I well, when I we do that Halloween challenge with the DVD guys, I try and watch a horror movie every day. Yeah. Um, some of these guys watch a hundred movies in 30 days. I don't know how they do it. I can't do that. Right. I watch one horror movie every night. So I participate and do that. And I got in there and it froze and I went, oh no, it's true. It really does happen. You know, your, your collection can just rot on you. What, what happened? The, does it. Just a little bit, little bit of modeling discoloring on the disc. Yeah. And it freezes up every time. I, now, to be fair, two discs in my whole collection of over uh, 500, 600. So it's it's rare, but it was the first time I had ever encountered something I knew I had watched before and it worked mm-hmm. and I threw it back in a couple of years later and it was busted and it was like, oh, even physical media is not permanent.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I know you've been asked like a million times, but why no vinyl? Why haven't you gotten into the vinyl so, business?
1: There's a good reason for that. And you guys should be happy about it if you're vinyl collectors. There is very little overstock vinyl where I would actually make most of my money because vinyl is doing so well. And from what I understand, they are keeping vinyl on an appropriate scale. So there's lots of people when business starts ramping up and the plant is just a capacity, they're looking like, well, I got to invest a million dollars and I got to ride this into the ground. And it seems like the vinyl people, whoever they are, realize it's a niche and they're filling the niche and they're not overdoing it. Which means they're selling out everything they're making, and there's very little left over. And like I said, I make most of my best deals on people's mistakes. You know, when they overprint or uh, when they go back for the uh, tenth print run of a James Patterson book, and that was the one print run too far. And now they have ten thousand extra copies. <laughs> you know, that's less a mistake and more just part of the the book uh, ecosystem. Um, but vinyl, from what I am told and what I understand, is a very tight small well-managed industry the pressing plants are doing fine they have all the business they can handle and as such it's hard to find product that I can give a good deal on we did we did have some vinyl at one point and what I and I was really approaching it I used to say that my customers probably had their Victrolas at home right like because (laughs) I was really approaching it as a music format not as a collector's format So I had Woodstock, I had some Jimi Hendrix, I had some, it had to be stuff my customer actually wanted. I can't get in um, a hip The Weekend album where it's a limited edition, color pressing, right, and it's cool, and it's super, my customer doesn't care about that, unfortunately. Yeah, and so... You know, but like Blu-rays, I'm not I'm not against them. There's something that I like generally. I've still got I've got my grandparents' vinyl at home. I've got a library of 80s metal collection at home. I still got my record player hooked up. I tune it in every once in a while just to hear the snaps and crackles. Um, but with Blu-rays, it took me years of throwing stuff against the wall um to get to be finally noticed. So if I get vinyl presented to me and I think I can make it work, I'm gonna buy it. It's just I haven't seen the right stuff, and I, I like I said, whatever I've been told is that they're running so efficiently, there's very little fat to be left over, and good for them because that's the way to be in an economy like this. Is know your market, don't think it's ten times bigger than it is, and that we're all gonna have gold-plated roads on physical media
0: again, because that's probably not happening. Do you want to, we haven't, so what I, what I do when we do these interviews is I I record an introduction separately so that it, it frees up the conversation. So there's no like, hey, we're talking to, do you want to go public? Do you want to talk about who you are? Cause I haven't mentioned so, who you are. I actually meant
1: because I told you, I got to tell my guys at blu-ray.com first. I told them this morning, I went in okay. there and I made a post as expected. I was very nervous, but as expected, everybody was super cool in there. Um one guy memed me and he threw up a, a little thing of top 10 anime betrayals ever, you know, and he was just joking with me. <laughs> um, everybody was I was really hoping that was how everybody would see it. Yeah. I do go check the slip covers for people. I do check the PMs. When they say, Hey, your website sucks, you need to make it so that when something comes back in your wish list, we can see it. I walked down the hall to IT. Um, so it was the time to tell them I am the owner of the company, I'm the owner of both companies. Uh, I've been the owner, I guess the sale finished uh, probably about four years ago. Um, And I bought it from my uncle. My uncle started in the sixties, like I said, on his bed and the story we were always told and it's not apocryphal, it's not bullshit. This is the real story as he's always told it. And I believe it, he would put the orders on his bed and he would fulfill the orders from his bed because if the orders weren't filled by the end of the night, he couldn't go to sleep. So that's the kind of mindset we try and take here i'm very i don't know what the right word for it is because we expect to do a good job when the guys on the blu-ray.com form are blown away that their order is shipped and three days later they've got it and we ship by usps which is not a fast shipping method so it means we really got those orders out that makes me happy when our service and our prices are impressing them that makes me happy and i really did I wasn't the owner when I joined the thread. I wasn't the owner when I joined blu-ray.com. And I felt a little badly because I felt like I was lying by omission by not mentioning it to him. But I am a private guy. Um, Like we talked about, this is the first time I've ever even put my face out personally or anything else. Not because I'm special, but just because that's how I am. Um, And those guys and gals over there are so supportive um, and have really helped me build up a part of a business that, Uh, you know, needed the help. My customer base is older. They are, let's say, receding out of this world to some degree. Um, COVID was tough on them. And while we did, we were very lucky to be able to stay open during COVID Um, and we did great business. Those years are gone. And when people were locked up and they had money to spend, sales were great. And now as people are noticing, sales are not like the COVID years. Um, so I am so thankful for those guys, and I really, I really felt uncomfortable when I was torn, because I don't like revealing my identity, but I did feel like I had to tell them, so I told them first, they're aware, they were all super supportive, and I appreciate my blu-ray.com guys 100%, and girls, as I'm often reminded, there are girls there too, ladies, um, and I love all those guys, and they have supported us through thick and thin, and the another reason I love them is because we don't do any advertising. I don't have time for that stuff. Um, I really dislike uh, targeted ads. I think it's creepy when you go somewhere and then 10 hours later their website ad is on side of your browser, and that's because they know they track. We don't do any of that stuff. I hate it. It's gross. Like I said, I'm a private person. I we do an email every week. We do a promotional email for holidays. That's it. I don't like to bury people in promos and garbage. Um, it makes everything less special. Um, so they spread the word for me um, and them spreading the word as satisfied customers is worth more than any ad or any, any interview, anything else that I can ever do. And even when, oh man, you know, the ARC, they call our packaging ARCs because it ends up looking like kind of like an ARC, I guess. I don't know. Um, and oh, this got smashed even though it was in an ARC. And we just sent them out a new copy because the guarantee is you're not happy. You get your money back or you get the item again. That's the way it is. So we can polish those, you know, what's to be good examples of our customer service, and then they come back in and they're like, "Well, I was disappointed, but they just sent me a new copy, or they just gave me my money back, and they didn't even ask any questions." We're always going to be easy like that. Um, so yeah, I, I am, you know, I'm a little uh, reluctant. I was reluctant to put it out, but it's out there now, um, and I'm very proud because this is a family business. My yeah. uncle started it. I don't think there's one member of my family that hasn't worked here. Uh, my wife worked here. Um, when she had our kids, she left. I tell her I want her back. Sometimes she says I don't really like the guy who runs it, so I don't know. <laughs> you know it's probably better for our marriage because maybe our husband and wife shouldn't work together. But my uncle started it. My dad works here currently. My mom, my, my, my mom worked here. Uh, my sister works here. All my sisters and brothers have worked here. Uh, my nephew has worked here. My sons have worked here briefly on the weekends, making allowance money. And if I'm lucky they'll get a real job here someday too i'm going to let them come to me rather than force them in and hopefully i can i can gather them up but we're a real family business i got two warehouses in northwestern connecticut i don't like to reveal anymore i live up the street from my warehouse when guys ask me for slip covers i check on my way home to walk my dogs or something like that we're we're real people doing a real job you know we're a corporation but I'd say we're on the small scale of things. And I want people to understand that because we value
0: our customers a lot um, and we have to serve them well if we want to keep them. It's the transparency is amazing. And you've always been, even when I not knowing who you were, I was like, this guy just tells it like it is. And it's so appreciated. Um, when you told me, so we should thank our, our mutual acquaintance, uh, Glenn, who. Glenn, kind of absolutely.
1: Us. And Glenn has been a great friend to me from the DVD talk board days. I have known him for quite a while and he did. He connected us and he said, you'd be interested yeah. in it. And I was real wary at first. And, you know, to be quite honest, I can't ignore free publicity in, in nowadays day and age. Um, I watch your channel. I could see, you know, what kind of simpatico. I like people right. that have a real movie wall behind them and that actually care about the movies. And it felt like, all right, this is the time we got to finally start doing this stuff and maybe Mm -hmm. put our face out there and hope that people do realize, you know, we're kind of a New England, old fashioned family business. And, and, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have any grand designs on being the next Jeff Bezos or any nonsense like that. I want to sell books, DVDs, movies, CDs, and Blu-rays until my kids are in college
0: and hopefully they can come and sell whatever's next. You know, it's... When I, when p- so many people are like you, people, you know, I talk to a lot of people at the labels and people, even people at studios, and they're very, they don't want to be on camera. They do, they like, they're very behind the scenes. But what happens is, and I think you'll see this, or I hope you see this, is that when you put yourself out there like this, people have connected with you now. They're now going to associate you and the, and I'm going to use the word integrity because that's what it is the transparency, the integrity, and the pride that, that you take in what you do. They're going to connect your business with you as they should because you work really hard on this. Obviously, it's family business. And you no longer a faceless company. Hamilton, this is no longer just the faceless. It's not just, it's the retailer. No, now it's 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 you. And so that's a good thing, right? Because we want to make relation. we want to have relationships with the companies that we support. So it is,
1: listen, we brought in a, a, a more web oriented social media type lady uh like an advisor you know consultant maybe mm-hmm. eight, seven or eight years ago and it was kind of in our push to let's see if we should modernize or whatever else and when she came in and she saw that we don't have a youtube we don't we didn't have a twitter we don't have an instagram we don't do this we don't do that she thought she had the easiest job in the world because all, oh, all you have to do is start these things my uncle was also a very private person and never saw a need to do any of these things um my uncle's very much a book guy. When I started bringing in books and movies, he did not see the point. Even though the sales were very good, he would have been happy to just stay with books. So Hamilton's can be particular people, I guess. So even though I knew what this lady was telling me was right, I resisted it for years um, because it's just it, the idea made me so uncomfortable. And there was another reason too, when the ownership transitioned, and I think this is a customer thing, and I hope the customers don't get mad at me for this because I'm kind of, I always have to try and see into their brains. And try and maybe perceive how they're gonna see things. When people know that the ownership has changed and they think they understand, oh, it just happened right then. The next problem they have gets blamed on the nephew. It doesn't get blamed on the uncle who started the company. Now, it's not that I didn't create problems here through my management, I have. I had to learn as I was given the job and as I grew into it. Um, But nothing, none of them were things that I really had anything to do with, they're they're situational. So it's four or five years past the sales now, and nobody can say, I knew Ed wasn't running it, that's why the service sucks now, or something like that. You know, I was very worried that they were gonna perceive it, that, oh, Ed's not in charge now, and then the next bad experience, or we we couldn't fill a title or so, oh, they're going downhill. You know, I'm trying to avoid that perception. Um, And maybe I was overthinking that, but I tend to overthink everything. (laughs)
0: That's what makes you good at what you do. It's because you're the, so. thought of it. I hope so. I think this is my last question. Uh, and I know you've, I know you're going to have an opinion on this. So when I I, I told my patrons that I was going to be interviewing someone from the site and, you know, the company, but I didn't say who it was. I just said that I was going to be interviewing somebody. And um, the first, they, this person said, "Uh, oh, no. Then it won't be a secret anymore. And we'll like, there'll be no more, we'll be comp- competing with each other for the same deals. And I know you see that a lot. Like, the more people that I know do. about these deals, the fewer I deals do. there will be. What do you want to say? Well, so
1: I've learned a lot from the customers and the people commenting in that Blu ray.com thread, um, not only about Blu rays and about movies, but about business and what they want. Now, we're a very old fashioned business. All of our Blu rays go up on the website. Uh, based on the catalog schedule, we only list new product once a month. That's based on an old idea that we only put out a new arrivals catalog once a month. I don't even technically right now have the ability to jam a title on the web. I go into the Blu-ray.com forum with threat a threat couple of years ago, and I said to the guys, I said, "Listen, I said, you know, we're really working towards uh, getting the ability so I could list titles live, and maybe we could do a drop every week." And they screamed and they yelled, "They're what are you doing?" We love it. You have what we see as a sale once a month. And it doesn't take a lot of our time. We don't have to follow it. You give us the date it's coming out. Don't ever do that. No, we need the stuff just once a month. They're the customer. So they tell me what to do. I don't tell them what to do. So whatever the Blu-ray.com guys want, that's basically what they're going to get. They're always going to get the stuff first. We, I drop the stuff on the site the night before we do the new arrivals email. That's the new arrivals email to our customer base. That's people that have bought before. And I let the blu-ray.com guys get in first. Um, With the Aero stuff, because I knew that people were real slipcover centric. We had everything opened when we got it on our dock. And this was not an insignificant amount of product. And we made a slipcover checklist because we knew we were going to be getting requests. So I'm always going to cater to those guys. Um, And I'm going to do it in a way that probably does keep things focus there. Uh, But can I say that I'm not happy when Persian mafia is the name of the guy when he mentions us on slick deals, and I get a 1000 new customers, I can't say I'm happy for that. But what I always tell the guys in the blu ray thread, and this is 100% true is, the more sales I have, the more money I can devote to blu rays, the more blu rays I have, the more deals I can find for you guys, my buying power goes up, the more sales I do. So the better I do, hopefully the better i'm going to be able to offer and um the limits on the site the purchase limits we've changed those several times based on feedback from that forum because at first there were no limits and what i found was happening was resellers and i'm not talking about ebay resellers because what we found was some of this stuff was going to um like out of shipping out of country freight stations in california Oh yeah, because I got $4 flat shipping. These guys were buying thousands of dollars of stuff and putting it on a boat and shipping it out of the country. And I knew that's not my model. That's not who I want to serve. I want to serve a hundred Blu-ray fans, not one reseller. Yeah. So I think at one time we had the limited three and now we've narrowed it down to two copies for the first three days. I'm always going to work towards making sure that the people that built me up are the people that get the best service, the best deals and the best access. And now how that, happens in the future, I don't know, but I'm always going to protect the people that got me where I am. Where, tell people where they can go. Hamiltonbook.com, please. And if you want a catalog, you can sign up for a print catalog there. I know a lot of people are not into print catalogs anymore. I totally understand it. Um, but it is, if you get our main catalog, it's 4,300 of the best titles that we have. Great books, great movies, great CDs. Um, and if you wanna order the old fashioned way with cash and checks, go there. If you wanna to go to hamiltonbook.com, just put your order in. We've got modern payment methods, you know, like your PayPal's and stuff for us newer tech people. Um, and the guarantee is always the same. If you're not happy, you get your money back. You get another item. Um, we don't dicker around with that stuff. We gotta keep our customer happy.
0: Richard Hamilton, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the Pete, time. I appreciate this man. And I appreciate you
1: making it so easy on me. Thanks very much.
0: Now, you, you guys heard me say it in the interview, and I want to say it again here at the end. When we form connections with the people behind these companies, uh, it leads to, like, a personal... They're, they're no longer anonymous anonymous company. They are now... You know, there's a face to it. There's a personality to it. And it makes us want to support them even more because the transparency, the integrity, the honesty that I see at Hamilton Book uh, is really, really appreciated. Because so you know, so many of the time, so much of the time, I feel like the physical media collecting community is sometimes targeted as just a market right and I think what Richard uh, is showing in this interview and what he shows every day with his business is that you can be in business for profit right you are in business for profit but you can have integrity too you can do what's best for everybody you can work to satisfy both the business aspect and the fan aspect when those two things come together you've got yourself a really uh, a really valuable uh, relationship with your consumer base. And I think that that is what we love about Hamilton Book. That's what we love about Richard for for just being the guy that he is. You saw it. You saw it yourself. So, um, support Hamilton Book, you know, HamiltonBook.com, you can sign up for a catalog if you want to get it in the mail. I, I hear from people who talk about, you know, they love catalogs, they love to get these catalogs in the mail and, you know, leisurely highlight things that they want to order. So. Uh, It takes all kinds, and all kinds are keeping physical media alive. Books and music and movies and uh, comics, graphic novels, maybe even vinyl one day. So uh, thanks so much to Richard Hamilton. Remember to support that business and also support Serial at Midnight. Please leave thumbs ups, please like, review, rate, subscribe. These are the things that you can do to support conversations like this. And uh, the bigger the engagement, the more opportunities there are for me to do more conversations with people like this in the future. So thank you guys so very much. Take care. Until next time, I will catch you later.